Um, John, you've just come out of a rehearsal uh, for with the BBC Symphony Orchestra for Holly, the Golden Age of Hollywood concert. Mm-hmm. Um, you basically have it strikes me the best the best job in the world, don't you? Because as a as a kid, you were sort of introduced to, to film music, and now you get to conduct <clears throat> that film music nearly all the time, don't you? Well, I have the best job in the world anywhere because I get to conduct all sorts of music. Um, I suppose people know me for doing this sort of music because that's where I get the most exposure, you know, on the telly and things like that. And I have a definite sort of enthusiasm for, penchant for, uh, lighter music um, because I suppose of my my background, you know, being a sort of playing in dance bands and having a sort of fairly legitimate training as a conductor. So the, the bringing together of those disciplines... <coughs> makes... Do you mind that reputation? I mean, you no, mind... no, I don't mind it at all because you've got to get a reputation for something. Um, and if, you know, we live in an age of specialists, people seem to be, as Kenneth Williams said, people seem to be getting better and better at less and less. And um, people expect you to be a specialist... Of, of sorts, and I think when you get to a certain level as a conductor, you're not expected to be able to do everything. Although, when I for the past 15 20 years, I have been doing everything, I've been doing <clears throat> all the standard repertoire, every concerto, symphony, you know. Um, <clears throat> but there comes a point when uh, you, you, people want you for certain things because you know you can perhaps do them, bring a bit more insight into those. Fields of expertise, and do you find that actually, in terms of the repertoire, you're, you're, um, it's very difficult to categorise. I'm, I'm veering away from from assigning a label, but it, but it is music which is universally popular, um, and so on that basis, there are always going to be people who are going to come to those concerts. I mean, is that is that a is that a nice feeling um, when you um, turn around and you see an, a packed concert hall? Well, you say that it's universally popular, but. It's not this sort of stuff. This sort of music, you know, Waxman, Corngold, is not going to pull in the crowds in the same way that John Williams and Jerry Goldsmith and more, more recent sort of films that people have seen. That pulls in the crowds. This, um, it's, it's certain people, sort of enthusiasts know the music and... Um, uh, from my point of view, because I've had quite a lot of exposure in the past two or three years, people are coming because they've seen me do things and things like that. So that brings in a few more. Um, I mean, you've been quite self if you don't mind, you are being quite self-facing in that the MGM prom, packed, absolutely packed yeah. for rafters. Um, uh, the Rodgers and Hammerstein, uh, packed yeah, rafters as well. So they're not, they're not just coming... Um, yeah, no disrespect, they're not just coming because it's you, but but it, that is popular stuff. Oh, no, no, I'm not saying it's they're coming because it's <clears throat> because it's me for a minute, but I'm just saying uh, people associate a conductor with a certain sort of music, and then, and then you know, as word spreads, people sort of um, see the entertainment value behind some of this music. But this I'm talking about this concert today in particular. The Rodgers and Hammerstein, the MGM stuff, sure, that's got mass appeal. Mm. People will come with that. This is a little uh, less well-known, and I wasn't sure how it would sell, but of course it's, it's done really well. Um, how do you do... I've, I've listened to a little bit of the music before. I have to tell you that apart from maybe The Wizard of Oz, I haven't seen any of them. So I haven't seen Gone with the Wind. I hear Gone with the Wind, for example, and I immediately think of uh, French and Saunders and their parodies. Yeah, I mean, well, there are quite a few films when you immediately think of French and Saunders uh, yeah. and their parodies. But, um, but there's, there's a distinct style of... of um, that it's incredibly optimi- optimistic music, isn't it? Incredibly uplifting. 
Well, how would you, how parts would you of it are. I think it's intensely, achingly romantic music. You know, Max Steiner was Richard Strauss's godson, and he was brought up in that whole sort of richly romantic tradition. And he looks to Wagner more than any other composer. This Max Steiner. Um, and the whole score is constructed on sort of leitmotif principles. Each character has a tune, and all those tunes are woven in together depending on who's on screen at what time. And, um, and so, in a, in many ways, the, the Gone with the Wind music, apart from that tune which comes over and over again, is the love music in particular is incredibly satisfying. How do you to play as a, as a conductor? Are you do you? And I make the assumption that you live and breathe it. You listen to it every single day. Obviously, you don't you have you have other things that interest you? But do you do you have a certain amount of detachment, or do you do you get into that sort of really intense romanticism uh, when you're conducting? Well, I'm a rom- yeah, I'm a romantic by nature, and with a program like this, you have to. If I wasn't absolutely in that zone of sort of you know you know great sweep and sort of style, then it wouldn't wouldn't happen. So I've, I've spent two days imploring. The string players to, to get into the same, and how style. and how does that work? Because that, that's another thing. When uh, again coming out of the the Rodgers and Hammerstein's prom, um, or yeah, the, the Rodgers and Hammerstein's prom during the summer, I was struck by how I can't really put it any other way. The music seems to go right to the end of the bar. There is no more room for any more music, mm. and I wonder how that, that presumably that's is very interesting tied way of into that romantic it. thing. Yeah. I wonder how you communicate that. To, it's to, very to interesting players. way of putting it. That was the prom. That was the prom with my orchestra, and that is modelled on one of those big, fat, romantic studio orchestras. And I've been saying this a lot to this orchestra. You know, fill the bars up, play, play everything as broadly as you can within the tempo to give it that sort of feeling of richness and plushness. How do they react to that? I'm, 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 well, they, you know, is it have, like completely alien to how they would normally play? Some people regard what I ask for as unusual, and others don't. Um, and my view, and it's a view shared by a lot of musicians I really admire and respect, is that that sort of plush, well-upholstered sound is a very good starting point for any romantic music. Yeah. Not just this sort of music. I mean, this is just music. It's just grafted onto images on the screen, but in no other way does it, does it differ. But this particular programme does... It does strike me as a little different because, as I say, I haven't I haven't seen the majority of the films, but listening to it, it feels as though it's music which stands on its own in a way that I sometimes think, film music yeah. on the concert platform doesn't. <clears throat> I think perhaps with the exception of the Herman, it stands on its own. The Bernard Herman writes terrific film music which has uh, a limited time span in the concert hall. There comes a point when you think. Hang on, what is this repeated segment for? You know, Some might a, say that about Mozart, really, yeah. when you well, have Mozart morning uh, and night. But. And I've chosen, as far as I can for this concert, things which do stand on their own, like Waxman's Prince of Valiant Suite. It's like a little tone poem. It's brilliantly constructed. And, you know, the song of Bernadette is a sort of heavenly vision in captured in sort of... Seven and a half minutes. Or you smile time. when you talk about these pieces. Well, because that's quite kitsch. That yeah, which makes me think that you obviously get a real kick from doing this. But I love music. I love all sorts yeah, of music. Quite, that's, that's quite cliche, isn't it? But, but, it is but, clearly, but, but, but clearly, you do get a kick from, from this particular repertoire. Yeah, but I, I love conducting. I'm, you started off by saying I was an incredibly lucky man, and I, you know, I don't take that for granted. I, I, I love going to work, and I'm, I'm very happy doing it. And cliched or not, it's the truth. 
When does John Wilson have a day off? Does John Wilson work every I, day of the week? I get very few days off. Um, <clears throat> I've got a fortnight off coming up, but I have to learn Vaughan Williams 6 and Vaughan Williams 7 right. in two weeks. I've got two weeks to learn them both. I mean, I know them, obviously, but I need to re-know them in a lot more detail. Uh, do you find it difficult to switch off? You know, when you when you mm. arrive at that sort of right, I've got two weeks off now, do, do, or is it like, oh, I'll just tinker with this? Uh, yeah, I, I'm not very good at switching off, really. I'm really not. I have just sort of accepted that years ago. Right. You know, work as a vacation. How lovely. Um, I wonder whether there is another... Um, so th- this is the impression that I get from having heard... So the first thing that I heard you do was, um, and I'm aware that you've sort of worked very hard before that point was the carry on medley that was the thing that sort of blew oh, me away oh bloody hell that was years that um, was that was 2007 was it that recently blame me it was uh, it was the first prom I did with a concert orchestra it was BAFTA wasn't it it was yes. a history it, yes it, yes it was that's right yes yeah. Yeah. And, and heard that and thought god the last time I heard that music was when I was a kid uh, watching those films and remember thinking then you know aren't the carry on films great yeah. Only now, obviously, I you watch think, them. oh, they're a yeah. little bit dubious now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I wonder whether that, that sort of... I get the impression that you're uh, almost rekindling your childhood, maybe, by doing things like that. And if that's the case, is there the perfect sort of combination of music and performance that you would like to, to do with the music that you particularly uh, love? That's quite a wordy question. But you get the, the impression. Um, in terms of perfect performances, actual thing, that's why I formed my own orchestra. <clears throat> because you can only do this sort of repertoire uh, just as if you've got an orchestra of a certain makeup, a, a, a sort of dance band brass section, a brass section that can swing properly, and a rhythm section, and a small but perfectly formed. Virtuoso string section where everybody, I mean, my own orchestra is full of leaders. Yes. There was 17 leaders of British orchestras on the MGM. Doesn't that mean there's quite a lot of egos flying around? Yeah, but it's, you know, Andrew Havron is the leader of the leaders and nobody's going to argue with him because he's the best player in the country. Well, I'm sure he is, yes. And they all seem to be smiling, which is actually another, that's a a really impressive thing. Oh, but they love each other, you know, (laughs) but we just did this heart, we just did this, we just did this tour and everybody was heartbroken when it finished. Everybody was posting on Facebook that. Oh, we have such a laugh. Right. It's, there's no... You know, we did a concert in Newcastle and the lights went out at the beginning of the second half and everybody just carried on, carried on playing in the dark. Fuck it. They, were like, <laughs> they, they, weren't, they just weren't, weren't going to use it as an excuse to get off work. They just <laughs> love it so much. But I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, what, cause there's a certain amount of uh, almost authentic performance. What yeah, no, but I was going to answer your question. What I've started to do, I did a concert with the Philharmonia at the uh, Festival Hall a couple of months ago. We did the whole of Singing in the Rain as a concert performance. And use the whole score, the score underscoring for dialogue, and 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 I, it was there was a we got all got a big kick from doing that, and there's a sort of there's a a way of, of taking some of these big old American film musicals and presenting them as concert pieces in their complete form, which involves acting and dancing and all sorts of other non-musical elements, which is sort of thrilling. So we're looking at doing more of those. Sounds good. Sounds lovely. Um, what, and what next after this? Um, uh, gosh. That's a rotten question. That's a that's lot like, of things. Chichester and Liverpool next week. Right. BBC Concert Oxford, then the Liverpool Phil. Um, I'm doing a 
concert of English light music at the concert orchestra. Then I've got a tribute to Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers with Gary Williams and Kim Criswell using all the original arrangements that Fred Astaire right. had from Hollywood, which is just about the hardest concert we've ever done in terms of playing. It's horrendously difficult. But that's the other joy about doing this sort of stuff, is that it's a real challenge. I mean, it's bloody hard to play it. And, and yet there is that assumption, I think, amongst audiences, certainly from my point of view, that, that it's just... Be, it must be really straightforward. Oh, it, because in some respects, it is easy music. Like do, music, do, yeah, yeah. Do, no, do you know they, what I mean? No, no, it's... It's, um, it's the most... As Andrew Haveron just said, it's the most fun you can have and it's the most hard work. There is no let-up. 15-minute sweep from Gone with the Wind, no let-up at all. You've got to play like high fits from the beginning to the end, otherwise it's dead on its... You know, Beethoven or a Brahms symphony, you can switch it on. You can hear a, an amateur orchestra do a Beethoven symphony. It's a satisfying experience. You put this music in front of anything that's first, less than a first-rate orchestra, it's hell. I love the way that you dismiss Beethoven. That's great. That's no, 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 I wasn't dismissing no, 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 Beethoven. No, 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 I was no, saying no, the very greatness of Beethoven means that it can take inferior performances. Yes. This music can't. Yes, yes. Because the dressing of it is rather more important sometimes than the... The core. Do you... Um, this is the, the last question, actually, that strikes me, because you were there, you'll know. I remember watching the... I'm not an anorak, don't get me wrong. It's just that I do my research, Come across as an anorak. Uh, great, bless you for that. Uh, so, was it... It was the MGM prom, Seth MacFarlane. Most yes. amazing, the most amazing voice Seth MacFarlane has. But him and Curtis Stargis appeared on television like they were bright orange. Were you, were you aware of any sort of make-up issue? On, it's on funny if a couple of people have mentioned that, but I think it's just a Los Angeles thing. <laughs> right, they apply their own makeup. I think they have their own, uh, <laughs> uh, they have their own sort of uh, way of doing things. Right, so there's nothing I don't to know, do I, 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 have to, I have to wear makeup reluctantly for these things. But, do you? Uh, yeah, I hate being, I hate wearing makeup. But yeah, there's a woman who always comes up and collars you just as you're about to go on stage and <laughs> plasters you with it with a brush, so you can't really get away. Um, well, thank you very much indeed. That was uh, an absolute pleasure.